Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me once again for this season finale discussion of Strange New Worlds, my dear friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What's happening, fellas? We did it, guys. Another season in the bag. Here we go. We We made it. 53 episodes. (laughs) <laughs> Eric, tell without me a break, how, without a without a break. Eric, tell me how you really feel. I mean, like big year for Star Trek, right? Oh yes. Like, um, biggest year in a long time, probably, and we're here at the end. Or are it's we? A, it's been an interesting ride. It sure has. It sure has. <laughs> oh man, more on that later with this that interesting ride that we've been on and future plans that we have, but uh. Yeah, let's not get too too ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah, what's what's been going on besides you know being inundated with Star Trek content? Well, it's the Fourth of July, right? There, that's a thing. We did a thing. That happened. Yes. Yep. That did happen. Mm-hmm. Went out and saw the fireworks at Six Flags. Hey. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was the that Six was Flags in they your part good. of the world, right? Yeah, the Six Flags Fiesta Texas. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, for like the longest time, I thought Fiesta Texas had actually shut down. So like, whenever I hear that Fiesta Texas is still open, I'm like, oh, I guess nope, the rumors of its, it's demise have been greatly exaggerated. It's there. It's open. That's good. Oh, so, so Fiesta Texas isn't like a city that you can go to. I was kind of hoping it. it was just like a place. <laughs> Man, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I want to go to Fiesta, Texas. That'd be sweet. Where do you live? Hey, Fiesta, Texas. Yeah. What county is it in? Siesta. Uh, you're taking it a bit far. We're not in I, Spain. But but, fine. That would wow. but but seriously though, like having like a, a city named Fiesta would be pretty dope. It would be pretty sweet. I'd yeah. take that. Yeah. I mean, there's literally a town called West Texas. There is. Right? There's there's West Texas, but there's also <sighs> West Texas. There's also a very small town called Bikinis, Texas. Oh. Yep. Y'all, did y'all ever hear the story of that? I'm guessing not. No. no. So the owner, um, the owner of this old, or the former owner, I should say, of, um, 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 like a restaurant it was called bikinis um, I think bikinis like went under um, or whatever but um, the owner used to do like a lot of like shock PR and marketing type stuff and there was this like little small little know nothing town um, in Texas somewhere and he got wind of it and because he wants the PR like any PR is good PR as far as he's concerned he bought this town and named it after his restaurant and um, anyway um, yeah, it's it's a thing, but um, he appeared on Undercover Boss uh, several years ago, and he got in some major, major, major hot water with his um, board and, and stuff like that, and he was uh, removed from his position as uh, president and CEO very quickly, is uh, what I understand. So, uh, But yeah, there's apparently a town called that. So let's let's keep the fun going with random names for Texas towns. Yeehaw. There's probably Yeehaw, Yeehaw Texas. Texas. Let's go. There we go. Let's go, somebody. Oh, man. Well. 
I feel like we already talked about about my weekend on our book review. <laughs> that's that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, if y'all haven't listened to the book review, make sure you do. It's great. Captain to Captain. It's a fun little fun little little tale, fun little story. I take it you guys didn't like it. <laughs> no, I, I mean I enjoyed it. There's just oh, okay. there's just like some um, stuff that yeah, there's stuff. Listen yeah. to the review to find out our thoughts about it. How about that? How, that's a tease. That's what Eric does. He teases. I, us. I will certainly do that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, um, last week, guys, um, I was telling y'all about. Um, the craziness that was all day interviews and Eric um, knows the pain of those and David was making fun of us for it which was great thank you for that yeah. bud. Um, so um, just recently um, uh, a couple days ago I guess by now um, I was uh, driving home from you know dropping the kids off um, at daycare and I get a call and um, it is uh, someone from the university that I interviewed from. It's the uh, VP, one of the VPs. And uh, he was saying stuff and he was basically like, hey, we'd like to offer you the position of assistant professor. So um, I got me a new J-O-B. I'm actually one of them teachers now, like for real, for real. So I don't have to pretend anymore. Welcome to the fraternity. Thank you, bud. Teachers. Ooh, Is there like a secret handshake and like no something no yeah that that's what he would say around a non-teacher that's true there isn't one i'm sure you'll get a nice packet in the mail with all the with all the yeah the (laughs) secret decoder rings and magic spells and stuff i love magic decoder rings i've always wanted a magic decoder ring that's cool like spy glasses and stuff yeah, by day they teach in lecture halls. By night they save the world. They are the professors. <laughs> there was like a show called The Librarians, which I was essentially that. that same thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nerdy librarians by day, but at night, saviors of the world. I think they were like archaeologists or something, weren't they? I I never watched it. <laughs> I watched some of it. They were like mini. I know movies. like Noah Wiley was in it, right? Yeah. Hmm. 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 Well, very cool. Well, I guess that's it. I mean, David said his piece. Go listen to his update on the on the book review and Eric. No, it's okay. I'll tell Eric. Just just for Eric. Yeah, it's fine. Eric went to Six Flags, so congratulations. I I I saw fireworks too. It was fun. I saw two sets of fireworks. Mm. By the way, speaking of fireworks, have y'all seen the thing that's like been circulating about? Um, um, it's this family that they were like out in their their front yard, and um, like they're f- like firing off some um, fireworks, and like one caught, and then it caught like a box of something, and this box of fireworks, and, like those fireworks exploded, and it was right next to the, their van that had a va- their van full of fireworks, so like. It was basically this chain reaction of fireworks going off, and like the van just like was going, and like smoke was everywhere. It was fantastic for the audience, not for the actual owners. So that's America, America, right there, America. Yeah, ain't that America, home of the free? <clears throat> Something little, to see. 
little pink houses mm. for you and me. <laughs> I did do something somewhat fun tonight, though, before uh, before I, you know, got home here so, so we could do this very fun podcast, you know, midnight or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so my girlfriend does uh, quite a bit of event planning okay. for uh, the hospital she works at. And she got this like random invitation for like a an invitation only uh, sort of dine in at a uh, uh, I guess what would you call it like a training day for a city barbecue. It's a city barbecue super you know they they smoke in the store but it's like fast fast barbecue. It's not bad. So we went to this training day and. We got this little tiny menu at the door and got like checked off a list. It was like super hilarious. Got up there, it's like, I wonder if they would let me have more than one meat. <laughs> Cause I want the chicken and the pork and she wanted the brisket. Well, they gave us whatever the hell we wanted. We could have <laughs> ordered everything on there. We could have ordered all six meats and all the sides and that lady would have just, would you like a large drink with that? More fries, more sides? It was, it was pretty good. That was fun stuff. So what you're saying is, I want more, and I know I shouldn't. What I'm saying is, I may or may not be in the possession of a large box of leftovers that's mm. currently in my fridge mm -hmm. that may or may not have several different smoked meats and or sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of fun. They were, they were in quotations, training for their grand opening. That's the be go. those are the best kind. That's fun. Best kind. Whale. Okay. Should we should we warn um, Raquel that we're about to do the thing? Yeah. <laughs> Raquel's red alert. <laughs> we, I can do that. I know a guy. <laughs> All right, everyone. You guys ready to talk trick? Yes. Let's do this. We are going into spoilerific territory as we talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1, Episode 10, the season finale, A Quality of Mercy. Fellas, like we said at the beginning, we are at the end of this first season, and like I think I saw on some of the accounts that they've already wrapped filming on season two of strange new worlds so i'm very happy about that but it also means that we're probably not going to get any strange new worlds until probably next april or may just because it is what it is i guess because post-production takes time yeah that's a yeah. thing that's a thing eric that's a thing so uh, but There's a certain other show in another universe that could learn from that <laughs> kenobi what did Nothing. You got a little cough, a little tickle in your throat? Yeah, I forced it out. You forced it out? Mm-hmm. 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 All right, well, with this, uh, with, with the quality of Mercy, we get a couple of those, um, you know, last time on Star Trek kind of things, um, which are very telling as we've been kind of talking about the last season of it, really, um, kind of going all the way back to the pilot for this with um, conversations about um, you know maybe you you can 
you know, change your fate. Maybe, you know, you can do this or that, the other. And having conversations with, like, number one and um, his girlfriend, Captain Lady. What, Captain, what was it? Battelle. Battelle. That's a fantastic name. Anyway. Um, no, no one. Okay, cool. I'm the only it's fifth grader. B-A-T-E-L. Battelle. So yeah, we get we get that, and um, Eric, how do we start this off? Following the last time, I mean, captain's log. Let's go, somebody. We got us a captain's log, and Eric's yeah, man, trekkie heart on. is happy. The, the star dates of these are like all over. Last the place. week's star date was like twenty four something. Mm-hmm. This week's star date is fourteen something. Oh, I thought it was seventeen something actually. Well, well, the seventeen oh nine point two is the balance of terror. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Start eight. What? But the, the captain's log is at the beginning is fourteen something. So yeah, good old good old stuff going on. Um, so with with um all this, Red alarm. Off, you know, we have um a couple of different conversations going on. Um, one of which is uh, between um Una and Captain Pike. Um, that happens as a result of a meeting that's that's going on. Um, they're they're meeting up um, at this. Um, uh, it's not an outpost, right? It was not outpost? outpost. Outpost four. Out, outpost four. Yeah. So we're we're um, it's them and the Cuyahoga, I believe, that are meeting up at Outpost Four to hook them up with some supplies and to meet and talk stuff, basically, with um, this outpost commander of sorts and um, in talking um, about you know resources and how to you know support the outpost among other things we find out that um, there's a very eager beaver of a, of a boy um, that shows up and it just so happens to be one of the little fellows that's going to be biting the dust in the future and uh, Pike may or may not be freaking out just a smidge um, which kind of causes him to start to spiral and just kind of lose himself like like all this confidence all this whatever that he's been processing through this season about his fate quickly comes undone in a moment just meeting this little boy i shouldn't say little boy this like probably adolescent of sorts i'm guessing there give or take so um and yeah it it leads him to you know immediately leave him remove himself from the room and just say hey you know what i'm not feeling too well let Spock and, and number one take care of this for you. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we go back to quarters and that's about it until it's not. So there's a there's someone that may or may not be waiting for him in his quarters. And I, I have seen some things on the Internet about this and Quite frankly, I don't care about what the naysayers are saying. I was so giddy seeing what I am calling the strange monster, okay? The strange monster uniform. It's not the monster maroon, it's the strange monster, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, just it, it works. I'm, like The marketing team's still working on it, I think. But it was so cool seeing an alternate universe pike in the monster maroon, like Strange New World style. Um, and having that conversation. So, guys, what what y'all think about that? Like seeing this alternate Pike talking to Pike. 
Well, yeah, it's interesting. You know, he's going to dictate a letter to all these kids or cadets, would-be cadets, warning them to stay away. And that instantly triggers future self showing up. And I know David loves time travel. Boy, does he. So he was probably ecstatic about that. Um, My problem is not so much with future Pike showing up. It's with what happens after future Pike shows up. Yeah. that, That I can't really wait to talk about i don't have a problem with future pike showing up and saying hey you know i know your intentions here are pure but you know there can be unforeseen consequences i mean that's that that's a storyline i like you know it's, it's basically tapestry right you can go back and change your past but you know changing it ends you up somewhere where you don't necessarily want to be that's right so like well yeah you want to fix things but things are the way they are for a reason that's right that's right and yeah go ahead no i I just think that um it it is in the vein of tapestry which is one of my favorite next gen episodes it's not that i hate all time stuff it's i hate the time stuff that is constantly being used as as a kind of a lame plot point to get through multiversal stuff and also the constant fight against things that have already happened because who the hell are you to dictate in this case i think the important thing here is that even though pike has said he's you know fine that he's accepted his fate that he's gonna blah 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 go through it with whatever and all of this stuff that is largely a and I, I think it can be a very relatable facade for a lot of people who put up a barrier around a certain emotion that could be towards, you know, a person, a thing, a place, doesn't really matter. But as soon as you see a trigger that reminds you of it or something, it instantly kind of brings all of those protective barriers down and you're right back in it. So deja vu, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I, I, I liked having, you know, sort of alternate Pike here because the, the lesson for Pike is no matter what you do in order to see the future that is, you know, effectively on the straight and narrow prime line, stop screwing with it. And honestly, this is kind of like, uh, you know, for us, we, we know the sort of eventuality of what Pike and where he ends up. Mm-hmm. So he ends up with a happier ending, mm-hmm. right? Pike doesn't know that. And that's kind of a lot of, um, you could you could tie that in with certain religious beliefs and so forth about like trying to be the best person you can be along whatever line you have here without necessarily 100% knowing that you know, the, the, the promise, say, uh, w- whatever you want to call afterlife in whatever religion you choose to follow or whatever, that's there. You don't really know tangibly that it's there. You believe it's there, but you don't know. In Pike's case, he has zero idea that there's anything good at the end of the tunnel. He just knows that this is his future and that he can save people, right? But alternately, the lesson that we learned from this story is, is it's far more than saving a few people in the accident. It has greater implication 
galactically. See, so, that, that's that. And that's that's one of the problems I have here, because like and that's OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it like Pike's sacrifice is not what stops, you know, stops all these problems from happening. It's Pike being in command of the Enterprise at the time yeah. that that is what causes all these problems. Like, why can't Pike just retire and give off command of the Enterprise to somebody else? Like, I mean, we can get there. We can talk about that more when we get there. But, like, I just have Well, it, 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 it kind of is the how are you to guess what move you make will will provide the correct eventuality. Mm -hmm. You can only be you period until the end or you potentially have the the potential to fall off that that given path so yeah yeah we're we're gonna get into um some of the the question mark stuff um here in just a little bit um but like the the thing that's that's cropping up is you know despite like the pikes conversing with one another it's ultimately if you want to know what's going to happen, you have to like kind of live it type of thing. I'm like, all right, that's fine, I guess. Let's see what happens. And it was kind of jarring. And I realize these are basically the same folks that are making like all the other treks, you know, that we've seen. Um, but it was like just like how the shots were composed. Like, I just felt like we were like having the. Um, Oh my gosh, my, my mind is blanking right now. Like when freaking Giorgio shows up in the Mirror Universe in the Guardian of Forever episode. Um, oh my gosh. Ter ter terra Firma. Thank you. Yeah, like just like the e-brake being pulled and like just how like she shows up and like how jar like disoriented she is. Like that's exactly like how it was for me, like watching Pike showing up in like the hangar bay or whatever it was like for this wedding that he's doing for some officers like it just to me it felt like it was a shot for shot type of thing like minus like all like the death stick stuff of like the mirror universe but um well e even this itself was getting into a shot for shot of yeah, balance and, of terror and word, word for word literally like yeah. Spock, Spock's dialogue in the briefing room is word for word yeah. exactly balance of terror I and, and I like balance of terror I actually do I kind of I don't know in a, in a weird sort of way I kind of enjoyed that a little bit because again it, it's it's just you are who you are you react how you react as long as you don't fight it mm -hmm. yeah you know I love balance terror I, I think I think it's the if it's not the best, it's top three for me, mm -hmm. like original series episodes. But like, honestly, I was kind of disappointed that they did Balance of Terror here because the title, right? Equality of Mercy made me think of Errand of, of Mercy. Mercy. Exactly. Right? The first mm -hmm. Klingon episode. So I mm -hmm. thought that's where we were going. Oh, you made a mistake. Let's go do something with the Klingons again. And this will be a chance no. of redemption right. from the Klingorks, right? God, but then we did the Balance of Terror. You wanted to see some California raisins on screen again? No, dude? I wanted to see some real Klingons. They've they've kind of like teased that Klingons are coming in season two of Strange New Worlds. We'll have to see what they look like when we get there. I'm hoping they're not Klingorks. I'm really hoping we don't get Klingorks. I mean, that would be just the producers admitting they made a mistake. 
Well, uh, we already know Worf <laughs> is going to look like Worf for Picard. Well, Worf has to. Worf has to look like Worf. You want to? You want to see some overly bronzed humanoids <laughs> with bushy <laughs> eyebrows and stuff? Let's do it. <laughs> Those are Klingons. We don't talk about it. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So we we see some um, among um, among like what's happening. Just to kind of like, because this is like a really long. This is an hour and two minutes long episode. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Um, a lot slower pace, um, even for Strange New Worlds, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we we discover this bird of prey, right? That's um, using its cloak and and just trying to, um, you know, take out the outpost and wondering like who these folks are. Like we haven't, no one's seen or anything like with Romulans in a hundred years type of thing and they're the boogeyman exactly they're the boogeyman of space basically um, so let's let's investigate let's see what happens come on gang let's let's get in the mystery van and go and uh, yeah you're gonna say something Eric no but before that like uh, Spock and Pike have a conversation where like Pike explains like what's happening like and they do a mind melt so Spock like doesn't think Pike is crazy or mentally unstable and then they, this is where they have the discussion like well I'm led to believe that I'm brought here because this is a pivotal moment but the only thing to do is just like David said to be you in this situation and act normally and we have to see how this plays out so we can see how this plays out and don't do don't do anything differently than you would normally do in this situation So as a result, we're we're uh, you know we're meeting we're we're gonna be meeting up with some characters here very very soon. But one thing I want to back up to that I, I think I uh, kind of breezed kind of past was um, whenever Pike shows up on the bridge, um, you know he's doing a pass by of everyone, and like. Was anyone noticing like the the stuff between just him and Spock and just like how standoffish like Spock kind of seemed with Pike or was that just me? Well, I think that I I I noticed that I think this is like Spock from the regular timeline being not in touch with his emotions, being more logical, and he's just like she'll brief you. Well, they they also tried to use Ortegas, and I don't remember who the the character was. Um... Um, at at ops in Balance uh, of Terror. Oh, I'm I'm. He obviously had a name. I just don't yeah, remember what the name was. But the 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 weird thing about that is, it's like so. Or, Ortega's has has been the kind of jokey, somewhat overly jokey character, jovial character. And I thought it was a little bit of an interesting. It was kind of an interesting switch up to make her the the overly combative and also combative towards Spock. Like even going so far as, you know, using the pointy-eared line later on. And I think there was something said about like me and Mr. Spock agreeing, you know, something like, the, you know, it was like surprising. It's like, where, 
that seemed off to me just judging by what we know of these characters from the rest of the season and yeah the spock thing being a little bit more like you know the original series but i i don't know it kind of discounts what you've been building though doesn't it to me it does yeah like it the thing that i was concerned about was great another mirror universe thing because like i was just like getting like the like jerkish like standoffish spock like at first right like with how he was just talking like what's going on like i realized there weren't like goatees or like tank tops or anything like that but anyway <laughs> hey man if we would have brought back the goatees I'd been, you, you that's how you know that's exactly how you know. I would have thrown something if we walked under the bridge and we see Spock in a goatee with a Terran Emperor sash. I might have, I might have needed a new TV. <laughs> oh, God. Eric, we can always count on you, bud. No, but I always, I, I looked at it as like Pike was walking around the bridge and things were in different positions. Mm. Like, like the ops, the it's not even ops. It's navigation and helm, right? They were switched, which were. I don't understand why they were switched because yeah. they weren't switched in the original. But like, if we notice in our enterprise, like Spock's science station is like the one behind the captain's chair, and like communications is over like on his right but now they're back in the original place that they were in, in the original series. And so I just like, he's trying to reorient himself. I mean, that's, that's fair enough. I, it was just something I wanted to like point out. Cause I don't know if others felt that way or, or knows that um, anyway. So yes, you um, Spock's like, uh, you know, you, you carry um, um, the weight of a terrible future uh, and says Chris instead of captain. So, um, which I think I saw, uh, what was that, Lieutenant Commander uh, braids on his on his uniform? Is that right? Yeah, that's what he was yeah. in, in the original series. I was making sure that my eyes weren't playing tricks on me, like looking at um, his rank braids. So, um, anyway, um, the the Farragut is, um, is close, and um, that's apparently La'an's ship. Yeah, La'an's ship. Yeah. Oh, when you but when you say Laon ship, like I feel like you're setting it up for her to be the captain, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's Laon her ship. ship. Okay, oh, she's the captain now. Uh-huh. Seven years in the future, I can buy that. She's a hugger too. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, she lost her best bud, Una. What? Mm. Wait, what? Eric, don't tease me, man. No, but listen, when the Farragut finally shows up here and we get, it's like, uh, Captain James Kirk, Sam's brother. When we like put him on screen and we see him, there's like heroic music playing in the background. And it's like, wait, 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 hold on. Savior has shown up. How'd that go again? I can't do that again. (laughs) But don't tell me you didn't notice the heroic music playing in the best. Like, here is the savior. Like, he, he, he is the one who's going to save the day and fix every problem. Right. You, got, you, you had to have noticed that, right? Maybe a little bit. I'm not going to lie. When they showed the, this actor who's, who's playing Kirk, I was just like, huh, that's, uh, 
That's Kirk, huh? I mean, they they told us that this guy was coming in season two. I think you know I don't. They were just trying to throw us off. They were just trying to throw us off. Yeah, you you know I don't read or listen to anything, Eric. I'm I'm partially illiterate. All I'm saying is, is like I just saw this like on script. Oh, so that's who we're gonna. That's that's James T. Kirk, old Tiberius himself. Hmm. Hmm. I okay. This is just my opinion. Okay, if the audience, if like our listeners feel a different way, that's totally cool. This is just my opinion. I am not too thrilled about this dude being Kirk. Like, he just looks like a dork. Like, he does not look heroic. He does not look like Kirk at all. Or, or, or well, the thing is, at all here's to the me. thing. Kirk, in, in season one, Kirk was described as someone who at the Academy was book a nerd who was books with legs. But still. Like, we think of Kirk as, like, intergalactic ladies' man, space cowboy, yeah. Kirk food, jump, yeah. lunging jump kicks. Yeah, yeah. could but you like, see this guy doing a lunging jump kick? No. <laughs> no. Karate chops on a Gorn? No. No, but, like, Kirk is <laughs> Kirk do some chest presses. as a nerd, like, a nerd, books with legs. He wasn't just space cowboy. He was more than, he was an intellectual. Some people call me the space cowboy. Some call me the gangster of love. That whole song was dedicated to James Tiberius Kirk. I'm just saying. No, I just, I just don't know. When, when he showed up, I, I mean, I get, I get, I get, I get your point, Eric, 100. percent But like, I just looked at this guy and I was just like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Because like, even when we bring Sam up, he's like, oh, you know, something about leads with charm and all that. It's like this guy's. This guy's gonna charm me out of. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he's like gonna he charm me out of anything. Charisma. This dude looks like he belongs like on like the hundredth floor of like Wall Street or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> like not on the bridge of the Farragut, let alone the Enterprise. And he just, doesn't look like he's a pain in the ass all the time. No. No. Okay. So, yeah, Farragut's showing up at where, like, the explosions and stuff are, are taking place because Commander um, Hanson Al-Salah is, um, well, he's not in a very good spot, right, with, like, the outpost not doing so hot. And, it um, blowed up. It done got bloated up. Um, so now it's a matter of um, the Farragut and uh, the Enterprise crews, like, coming together to you know brainstorm like how can we fight an enemy that we can't see more or less and there's a comet why are there so many doggone comets in this season even before the comet like spock is like well we can use it's like gravitational background something to, to track its position right won't be approximate but we can kind of figure it out and then like Pike is like hesitant. We can't go straight after it. And then it's of course it's Kirk who says, "What if we do the parallel course, right? And and mirror it." And so they do they do the parallel mirror course just like they do beforehand. And then then we get our little powwow before we get the comet. But why are there so many doggone comets? What do you oh, have man. against comets? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I thought wow. you liked 
the Comet episode. I wow. do. I like Children of the Comet, but come on, man. That was a magical comet. It had music on anyway, it. Anyway, so when we get our little briefing here, like our little briefing, we're sitting around the table, right? There's no the table. No more comets. No more comets. Comets. Table. Tables. <laughs> like, <clears throat> Pike is in charge here. Like, I don't know. When you have two captains, right, who's the one who's in charge? Well, in Voyager, we learned that according to Starfleet regulations, it's whatever ship has tactical superiority, which I'm assuming here is the Enterprise, not the Farragut. So I'm assuming that means that Captain Pike is in command. And he certainly looks like he's in command here in this briefing. He's like, I want to hear everybody's thoughts. And this is, this is again, this is his command style. He's like, he's not just Michael Burnham. It's, I've got all the answers. I'm making all the decisions. It's... I'm listening to people, and I'm listening to Ortegas, and I'm listening to Dr. Mbenga, and I'm listening to Ops person, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm listening to Spock, and I'm listening to Captain Kirk, and he's ta- they're taking in all of the information. And this is where, you know, Spock's dialogue is literally word for word from Balance of Terror, right? If the, if the Romulans are an offshoot of my Vulcan blood, which I suspect they are, then we have to attack because Vulcans were aggressive in the past. And if Romulans didn't grow out of this, they'll see our inaction as weakness. Yeah. And then Kirk is like, there's a comet we can do. We can, as it passes through there, we can, we can locate it. We can do this pincer move. It's kind of interesting. So, so is that is that solely just Voyager that talks about the ship with the the tactical advantage? I mean, because like tra- traditional, it, it would be whoever's most senior, right? Yeah, senior, I, I senior just captain. know that maybe that you know, you know, the rules are not consistent, right? The rules sometimes change to best fit the episode and the scenario we're in, right? Well, but in that in that episode of Voyager Equinox, Janeway looks it up and she says, "Starfleet regulation, whatever, 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 whatever," hmm. says that the sh- in, in a combat situation, the ship with tactical superiority, her captain is in charge. And I would think that, like, at this point, the Enterprise should still be, in theory, the flagship, right? So I would think, by virtue of being the flagship, it would trump any other ship in terms of like who's in charge of like tactics and other mission support type stuff I don't know yeah but but I also think Pike has seniority over Captain Kirk who I would assume is a newly is a newly installed captain Mm -hmm. yeah yeah alright well there we go. So we go we go do the thing. We we go we go be some space cowboys together and chase a comet and it's great. And uh, we do the pincer thing and we go in trying to once we have like the a certain positioning with the comet to try and like really pinpoint where this particular ship is and just when we're about to it's like oh shoot, they're behind us or whatever. Like, we got to get the heck out of Dodge, and there's a firefight that takes place. Farragut is damaged 
pretty bad in the grand scheme of things. The Enterprise is too far out of range, but it's kind of just firing for the sake of firing to draw draw fire away from the Farragut and accidentally clips this um, this ship, which is great. Um, and after after a bunch of stuff like it's just a it's a stare down. Like they're both like really damaged. Like there's been like this um, magical like plasma blast thingy that did a lot of damage or some type of damage to the Enterprise. And like you know, there's some um, like the the Romulan ship has been incapacitated. So it's like, hey, let's let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Type of thing. Yeah, like yeah. Kirk gets beamed over and immediately demands a meeting with Pike. It's like you flinched, you know, you deliberated and you lost. And it's like caution means that you're not going to put all your all your effort into the punch. And like and then I think Pike responds like, if you're saying I'm more cautious, you're damn right. But don't question my combat readiness. But like, I don't have a problem with this because it's like it, it posits Kirk as just this gung-ho shoot him first guy which is not what captain kirk was i i mean i think that's like this caricature that people have of captain kirk is just like i'm gonna shoot first and and not try and you know everything else later but that's not what he was in the original timeline right but but because pike didn't get out the way there were certain things that didn't get to happen for kirk which is why he was potentially stuck on the Farragut at this point in this story compared to being on the Enterprise where he should be seven years yeah. in the future. Yeah, but even if you go and you watch Balance of Terror, which I did, I watched it again today, um, <laughs> like, in that episode, like, the guy's name is Styles, by the way, he was at the Navigator seat, I looked that up, who was like, we gotta fire, we gotta fire, we gotta fire, we gotta fire. Kirk is like, no, we don't. We're only going to fire when I'm ready to fire. Like, he's not gung-ho, we got to shoot him, we got to take him out. Like, that's not even Kirk in Balance of Terror. Like, like so, so they're, just, they're just mischaracterizing Kirk. And I know you can say this is a different timeline because he didn't take over the Enterprise when he should have. So it's not going to be the same, but I don't know. I just have a problem with this portrayal of Kirk. Yeah, I, I kind of... I kind of have the sort of same, a bit of the same reaction. I don't really mind the confrontation between two captains. I can see that happening. I can even see Kirk maybe having questions for someone else if, if he perhaps perceived that they weren't either doing their duty as he as it was kind of understood. But at the same token, like, I think, I, I feel like the idea of this show is that what was needed in this situation wasn't Pike's diplomacy and his command of a situation. It was, nah, it was yippee space cowboy, gallivanting James T. Kirk, shooting him up. But again, like Eric says, that's not, that's not really what Kirk was. And I, and I can't, I can't think that, you know, you're, I don't really know how much time we're saying elapsed from, say, like, because Balance of Terror was episode 15 of season one. 14. 14. 
so from episode one to 14, like how much time actually elapsed and we're supposed to say that time mm-hmm. meant everything in this. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know if that's viable enough, but just going back to like Ortegas and then even Spock, it kind of feels like we're, we're stepping a little bit too much into caricature and less into actual fact which is odd for the show, for this show, at least in my opinion. So I, I don't even know if the, I don't even know if at least not the whole point of the lesson here, but like part of it, yeah, just kind of, it's a little flat. Yeah. Like, okay. We get, we we're, we're I'm, I'm going to come back to this point. We, we, we get Kirk and we're all back to the ship and then, you know, Pike's like, open up a channel to that Romulan ship. I'm, I'm trying something here, and he, he says, "Listen, let's do this. We've been at war for hundreds of years. It's endless. I don't want to do this. I'm sure you don't want to do this. You don't want to continue to be at war. You know, call me back. Answer my call. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll figure a way to get out of here." And this is the Captain Pike that has been presented to us throughout this entire show. Like he is so optimistic and he is so mm-hmm. we can find a way out of this instead of fighting. He tries that in the Gorn episode in Memento Mori. Try it doesn't work there, but he tried it. And think back to the first episode. He's like, Go ahead, blow yourselves up. You've shown you can do that, but like talk to each other, like join our federation, reach for the stars. He's so optimistic and he's so like, we can figure a way out of this without fighting. Right. And he actually, he, he re he, he gets the Romulan commander to like agree to this ceasefire, this two hour ceasefire where they can both fix their ships. And, and, and like, to me, that's, that's more in line with what Star Trek is about. But then I feel like the episode is like flipping it on its head and saying, well, that's not what was needed here in this situation. We didn't need hope and optimism that we can get through this without a fight. What we needed was Jim Kirk, space cowboy, gung ho, pew, pew, pew. And that was the real solution, which feels very antithetical to what Star Trek is about to me. Like I can rant on this for some more. Let, let, let me put, let me pose just a, a brief question here do you think any of that maybe and purely hypothetical just just a random you know 2 a.m thought here (laughs) i just keep pushing the time uh so (laughs) so do you think maybe some of that kind of almost legitimizes the shoot 'em up of discovery because we spent so much of discovery just kind of guns blazing and so forth whereas strange new worlds was sort of all about like the optimistic the diplomatic the finding the solutions and everything as opposed to just fire all phasers and all torpedoes are you saying that the the writers and the producers feel like they have to legitimize discovery 
Well, I mean, have, look, because the fans have rejected it. Look, there we go. You got to try to legitimize a little bit. It's fine. All, all, all I'm saying is that this show has been very diplomatic. It's been very command oriented, very controlled, very optimistic, very Starfleet as we would know it from the future, right. in quotations, the future. But we're, we're back here. And again, really, the overall lesson is, is actually down to one single point when, when we get to the end. But like, it does also seem to incorporate, sometimes you just have to play to the nature, don't ask questions, the Romulans are going to do this all the time, don't question it, don't try and be better, just shoot them. But that's that's a, not Star Trek no. to me, though. That, and, that, and, it's that, not, and that's that's the problem I'm having with this episode is because, like, later on we get to the end and, and Kirk is like, you tried something. You reached for something better. You tried for peace, but you lost. And maybe if you went right ahead and attacked them in the, at the beginning, things would have turned out way differently. But it's like, ah, that's not Star Trek to me. But, but and again, that's not even that and that's was... not even balance of terror. That's not and I feel like the writers don't have a good understanding of the episode balance of terror because Kirk didn't go right at sure. them and try to fight them. Sure. And then even in balance of terror, there's the point where like there's like a mutual respect between Kirk and the Romulan commander played by Mark Leonard, who would later go on to play Sarek, and and they like they each have a mutual respect for each other. And right before the Romulan commander blows himself up, he's like, hey, in another life, you and I could have been friends here. Mm -hmm, And and it's like saying that, like, Balance of Terror was not a happy ending, right? Because they they had to destroy each other. But I feel like the writers of this episode are trying to say Balance of Terror was a happy ending. And I, I think that's wrong. I'm just having a major problem with the messaging here of this episode. Yeah, gonna... See that that that's why I pose the question though, because that's a lot of what we also got in Discovery. Yes, at least in my opinion. Well, like Get even that. even like the the idea like that conflict is going to like solve our problems. Like it's only proven like in this one, and even uh, Eric, don't please don't go there. I know you probably will, but don't go there. Like the fact that you know both of these like responses of conflict both led to a war right like the Klingon civil war that we saw at the beginning of discovery whatever and then this right which what future Pike says at the end I have issues with also like regarding Spock which I need to talk about um, to a certain extent but probably not right now but it's it's as if like they're saying like the like we we have to um, divorce ourselves. Like after like doing like all this work of like finding a balance between peace first, shoot later if we have to, type of thing. And now it's like let's divorce it. It can only be one or the other. It cannot be both. Which I think Star- that's what Star Trek does. Star Trek finds the balance between trying to understand who our enemy is. And even Pike says that like. If you understand your enemy, like in what they want, and I'm totally butchering the the line, but you know, like you might be able to. Well, I think that's like Laan says that in the in Memento Mori. She's like Starfleet teaches us that if you can, you know, 
sympathize with your enemy, you can try to figure out what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, um, anyway. So we'll, we'll keep on going, but yeah, like, as you said, like, you know, there, there's this, this ceasefire, like for, for two hours, like, let's like, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, you have two hours basically to fix yourself up and, you know, go home basically. And we can live to fight another day basically. Yeah. And then we switch over to the Romulan ship and, and like, you have like kind of the same discussion. Like you got the, the seasoned old Romulan commander who's like, I tire perpetual war and you've got the young up and comer who's like, we are strong. We make things go. <laughs> Red <laughs> alarm. Red <laughs> alarm. Red alarm. <laughs> I wish everyone in Listenerland could see how red Eric's face got with that. It was gold. I was not intending that to be a pack that reference. <laughs> but that's what he's basically doing. He's exactly. like, they're weak. They're weak. We should attack now. That's our way. And the guy's like, I tire of perpetual war. I and remember. I'm old enough where I don't even care what people think of me when I say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Jim Kirk has a genius plan again, right? It's all Jim Kirk coming up with the ideas. This episode, I feel like, did everything it could to make Pike, who's been an amazing character look bad I, I don't know what like i feel like this it was weird this episode was make trying to make our the hero quote unquote of our show look bad and it's like now james kurt comes in and says i don't know if the romans can't be trusted i don't know if they can they could use this for backup to call it time to call for backup but i've got an idea like i'm coming up with the idea not you pike this is me i'm james kirk I'm the important one to history, not you, Captain Pike. That's what I felt like this scene was doing. I don't know. Maybe I was being too harsh, but... Well, I mean, Pike did sort of seem a little, at times, a little bit more of a spectator, which, in reality, he technically is. Mm-hmm. Because his his actions, you know, technically probably don't have consequences just due to the the timey wimey crystal whistle he's just trying to see things he's trying to be himself and see what happens which as a critique is that a bad thing like like saying like no 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 no, like what no like by saying go be yourself and see what happens right and it has like galactic wide consequences because you are being yourself so like to me like in a way it's saying you shouldn't be yourself. You should stop being who you are. You should stop being the optimist. Because this is what happens if you keep doing the thing that, that you're doing so well. That's which the is, overall which is problem. Ter- which is terrible messaging from a Star yeah. Trek show. Yeah. That, that's that's the problem, though, isn't it? it? It's it's a very muddled it's a very muddled message. And if there's anything to take away from this, I'm not quite sure that the writers even understood the message. This is kind of like, hey, guys, it's about 3 a.m. at night. I've been listening to this. These are the voyages guy. They really seem to like this show. But you know what we could do? 
we could just totally do whatever we want. We don't have to make sense of anything. We can just put a bunch of messages in a bottle, just like a nice ship. Yeah, ships in a bottle, those are lots of fun. See, it doesn't, it, it, I, don't, I don't know if this was necessarily meant to make as much sense. It, it, the messages do seem muddled overall. there we have it y'all so like any good finale i'm gonna i'm kind of skipping ahead on this but like like any good finale we we have to have some some high drama of the fleet variety and because this you know old man romulan is wanting a different path and he's seen as the weak link in the Romulan fleet, the the Praetor um, is just hell bent on just saying "see you later, thanks, thanks for the memories" type of thing, um, and blowing them up um, just so that they can continue, you know, doing whatever they want to uh, with like destroying like Federation outposts along the Romulan neutral zone. Which, well, yeah, which, which, there caught. was. He got caught. Yeah, he got caught by them. But at the same time, like Pike was like, "Hey, we have proof that you're doing this," and she just had, and like the the Romulan Praetor is like, huh, "Okay, I don't care," basically. And uh, yeah, so we have we have a, we have a bunch we have a fleet we have a fleet of ships, guys. We have a fleet of ships in a season finale. And um, a fleet you, of Romulan ships. Yes, in a fleet of. <laughs> Of Starfleet ships. <laughs> Hard wink on that one. Bunch of what drilling, drilling ships and like mining yeah. ships and stuff like that. Yeah, that are all all the like the remote control vehicles that that guy, the commander at Outpost Four, was asking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the Romulans aren't going to know any better. They don't. They haven't seen our stuff in a hundred years. This is our Delta class attack fleet. Right. Hopefully it's enough to bluff with. Right. And see, like, Kirk is very good at bluffing, right? Corbin might maneuver. Great bluff, right? So, like, that fits in character with Kirk. Like, let's let's do this. Let's make a bluff here. So the skirmish happens, and things are just getting really, really bad. And, again, kind of skipping ahead, but after a while peace out like let's get the heck out of here type of thing and along the way there's there may or may not be some people that got hurt like a main character yeah but even before that Spock is like I want to go personally help fix the phasers and I'm getting help from an engineer over the comm system (laughs) right that last week Chase you were like I hope the reason why we killed off Hemmer was not to introduce a certain character, but it certainly seems like that's what they're trying to do here. He's not a miracle worker, guys. He's just an engineer. Right, but I mean, but here's the thing. Do you, like, we see the the crew of Pike's Enterprise in 2266, right? Mm-hmm. The, the alternate future. You know, it's there's no Sulu there, it's still Ortega's, right? There's there's no McCoy. Doctor McCoy is not there. It's still, still Doctor Mbenga. Yep. Right. <clears throat> uh. So like, do you think Scotty is the chief engineer of 
Pike's Enterprise here, or do you think it's somebody else? good question i haven't thought about it i just i mean part of me kind of assumed that just by hearing scotty that it was scotty as the chief engineer but you know with with um everyone's positions being in flux i mean it's anyone's guess i suppose yeah but i feel like they're trying to set us up for like lieutenant junior engineer right scotty in next season I I hope not. Just give me give me someone else. Like give me like a I don't know, like give me like a a Sulaban He doesn't have engineer. to be the chief he doesn't have to be the chief engineer, right? Not yet. He can be like part of the engineering team. Mm-hmm. Like Reg Barkley. Yeah, man. Let's go. Part of the team. <sighs> Team. Part of the team. Look, when, when, when we when we hear that Spock is basically not doing so hot, I was literally saying out loud, "Please don't say the thing. Please don't do the thing. Please don't say or do the thing." And y'all know what the thing is that I'm talking about. Um, like needs of the many type of thing. Like, please don't do that. Please, for the love of God, do not do that. Like Michael Scott was going off like, no, God, please, no, no, God, no. For all you Office fans out there. But like seeing, like going into sickbay and seeing everyone, everything, and like how that was going on, and then seeing like, oh, shoot, Spock lost a leg. Like, he's not looking so hot, man. Like, he is not going to be in the sequel. Like, holy cow, like, he's not doing so hot. Um, and then, like, Chapel finally showing up for, like, you know, 20 seconds of a scene. Um, saying, like, he, mates, he might survive this, but he's not going to be the same. Like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Type of thing. That's all I got to say about that. Yep. And then we get... Pike and older Pike talking again, and and this is where it's like, this is like, this might be my biggest problem with this episode, is, I feel like this scene here, and this episode, are making Pike irrelevant. There, it's like they're saying like, we all like to think that our future is important, but maybe it's not as important as you think it is. But like, like. We have the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor or whatever that Starfleet gives. It's one of its highest things. But, like, in the end, I think this show is saying, Pike, you're not really that important. You're just a placeholder until we get to the actual really important people who are Kirk and Spock, right? Spock has, what do they said, like, fate of the, Spock has fate of the future things. He's the only person that has that can that can create peace with the Romulans is is Spock and like Pike you're not important here but like he's the hero of our show like we have a medal of valor named after him in Starfleet but this show is like he's not important you're just not you're just a placeholder well even even with keeping the chair warm (laughs) 
Well, even with that, like, what was it um, uh, when when Saru first was taking over as acting captain? He pulls up a list of of, of folks to kind of like model himself after. One of which was Christopher Pike, if I'm not mistaken, along with, you know, Jonathan Archer. And Robert April. And Robert April, yeah, like the like, basically his contemporaries. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't like it. But like, also like, <clears throat> the Federation has been at war before. Like, we went to war with the Klingons previously in the in the past of Pike's timeline. Right. We know that there's a war with the Cardassians. There's a second war with the Cardassians and the Dominion. There's fighting with the Klingons again. Right. Like when they break the treaty, when the Dominion, when they think the Dominion, like, there's all these types of wars and conflicts. Like, what is so important about this war not happening? Like, like, okay, I get it. We don't want war to happen. War is bad. And as a Federation, we're just recovering from our war with the Klingons where we were almost wiped out. So we're probably not in position to go to war again and be very successful. But like, it, it, there was there was no sense of like impending death for the Federation from this Pike that traveled back in the future. Not like the yesterday's Enterprise, where it was like mm-hmm. we are in bad shape. Like I I didn't feel that from him. Like so why? I mean, granted we know that that war is not supposed to take place because past canon has told us, but like. At what is so ta- like all oh, yes all war is bad but like I mean you were able to go to the Klingons of Boreth and convince them to let you go back in the past so it seems like maybe relations with the with the Klingons aren't that terrible at that, that in that alternate timeline but like what's so terrible about that war putting aside the fact that all war is terrible I think I think my biggest issue is what happens I think next as a result of like how this episode wraps up um one of which is happening right now like with that spot comment and then like after the fact so I'm kind of having I think I'm having to read between some lines on this but we have older Pike who is saying you know Spock's kind of a big deal type of thing like he's gonna save the universe type of thing but how does he know that Spock is the one that's going to be able to negotiate stuff with the Romulans did he get like a special blue crystal and he went you know, into the 24th century or the 32nd, 3rd, 4,000th century and see, like, a hollow of, you know, what Spock did? Like, how does he know that Spock is a big deal? See, what you don't understand, Chase, is that Captain Pike is now the master of time. Ooh. Does Does he get, like, a cool cloak or something? If he wants one. I want one. No, he just, he has red uniform. That's... The strange monster uniform. It's it's maroon. 
<laughs> breathe, David. <laughs> breathe, David. <laughs> breathe, David. <laughs> You're not breathing. <laughs> so anyway, look, I, I'll I'll say one thing. Say one thing. Well, I'll say multiple things. Thanks. One point, multiple things, multiple words, words made of multiple letters, letters made of whatever. Anyway, um, I I I feel like there's a bit of a, a point trying to be made here about not only sort of accepting fate, which is not uh, really a human condition. Not many people uh, just accept that in their day-to-day life. Sometimes we like to fight. But um, what is what is disrespectful, I guess, about knowing knowing your place let's just let's just call everything relative right spock's a big deal we're not going to question green versus blue crystals uniforms all that good sort of stuff what is what is somehow disreputable about knowing that perhaps although you are a somewhat minor cog in the greater scheme of the universe how does that make it any less you still make it move and in many cases you could say that although we really love pike from this season and conceivably what we get later on down the road his inevitability is that he will have an accident he will become disfigured he will not be able to function the way he has and eventually he will find himself in a better place, but it will take time. He will have to unfortunately suffer through that. But what that does bring again is the line that we already know. We know what Kirk did. We know the contributions of Spock and Kirk and the crew of the original series. And then leading that into all of the other series that we know. So isn't that just as important playing that specific part than anything else or you know are we going to say just because we really like Anson Mount and we like this Pike that we want more for him I mean we do you know what I mean because I think we do but at the same token this is this is kind of the eventuality and now I agree Eric I don't think that the storytelling of this episode necessarily painted the picture that it should have like I don't think it was as clever as it meant to be Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like, at the like, same... that, like you're talking yeah, about fate, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. or has he accepted his fate? And it seemed like, you know, maybe he had come to terms with it until he got this trigger of seeing this kid. But like this episode painted the picture. And I think I said this earlier that the reason why the war started was not because Pike escaped his fate in the in the accident. Like that's not the reason why the war started. The reason why the war started is that he was the captain of the Enterprise at the time instead of James Kirk, who handled the situation differently and and stopped the war from starting. But, like, Kirk being in command of the Enterprise, you know, at, that, at this particular time does not require Captain Pike to have had his accident, to go to it accept his fate he could have resigned he could have asked for a transfer maybe he could have been promoted there could there's a whole host of other things that could have happened 
for him to quote unquote escape his fate and still preserve like the timeline and stop the war. Yeah. I don't think this episode did a good job of presenting like Pike has to accept his fate or else we're screwed into this war. Yeah, I I, I, I certainly agree with that by the storytelling of the episode, but bre- breaking down of how did Kirk become captain? You know what I mean? So again, it's a cog on top of a cog. Like well, but this I think had Kirk, to happen. Kirk already became captain before Pike suffered his injury. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because like because uh, Pike was in like the mena- in the menagerie, right? We're saying that that accident happened like just a few months ago, and Kirk has already been in command for like at least a year. So then we've all. So then the timeline of this episode is wrong then, because we well, already said at the beginning of this that the that that event had already happened. That accident happened six months ago, right? And so I think I'm pretty sure Kirk was already in command of the Enterprise before the accident happened in the original series. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It's, it's not so, the so. accident happened, and that's why Kirk took over command of the ship. Well, gotcha, yeah. I, gotcha. I think Pike's second five-year mission on the Enterprise ended, and then they they transferred command to Kirk. Well, not only that, but like um, somewhere along the way. Pike was also promoted to fleet captain as well. So, like, there's that thing, too. So whether he's with the Enterprise or he's elsewhere, like, that's part of the equation, too, that can't be overlooked. So, like, there is a promotion that's taking place with Pike. Like, so, yeah, like, even even from a continuity standpoint, even if, like, he does... Like, let's say he does get promoted to fleet captain in Strange New Worlds. Like, whether he stays on the Enterprise or... You know, he gets the Sakagawea or whatever. You say it right. That's right. I will say it right. <laughs> whatever he gets, it doesn't matter. Like, he has an out by virtue of that. So, like, this is... Like, what we're saying is, like, he could escape his fate. Yeah, see, this is what I appreciate about talking with you guys is that you keep these timelines straight when I don't remember but that actually does throw into a bit of relief that it did seem like that was a point that they were trying to make at the beginning of the episode that he continued on his command because the accident didn't happen but yeah now now that you guys have brought that up and I'm thinking about it why did he stay with this command because it's the it actually makes less man. sense now well anyway so this rating's going to be fun <laughs> well, I have another another thing that's kind of like a gripe, and I, this might be me overthinking it. I don't know, but when we're when we're talking about the Romulans and like no one's ever hasn't seen them, don't know what they look like, they're just the boogeyman, all that stuff. The way this episode ends, apart from like some like classic music being played on the bridge like the way that I'm interpreting it Pike remembers all the things that happened from his little time crystal journey so he knows what Romulans look like he knows what to look for with like ships and technology and all this other stuff so it seems like that is highly problematic in terms of the narrative that we know from Balance of Terror and the yeah, like, implications why would he keep that secret yeah why would we keep that secret like 
like with the Gorn, like even when we were um, in Memento Mori, like how are we going to know what to look for? Like how are we going to be ready type of thing? Oh, we'll be ready, like type of thing. Okay, great. And then they show up in all those who wander is like baby Gorn and, and whatnot. And then a quality of mercy shows up and it's like, it's it's almost like it's, um, I don't want to be as harsh and say that it's retconning, but it is like kind of flirting with retconning some of the stuff with Balance of Terror in terms of what's being said about being able to see and identify what this alien species looks like. So that, that was kind of irking me. I don't know if that bothered anyone else about like the Romulan like part of the equation with that. I didn't even think of that until you mentioned it, but yeah, it, it does. Cause like you can say, well, he's got to keep that information to himself because of like some temporal prime directive. But like, that seems like pretty important information you'd want to share with Starfleet command. Yeah. I mean, cause like, yeah. like, cause yes, like from a temporal prime directive, uh, standpoint, yes, he is going seven, eight, some odd years in the future, and he's seeing something that could potentially happen. But it's like an offshoot. Oh crap! We're getting into timeline crap now. But like, it's it's again, it's getting muddled. Like, but we we have an idea of what they look like now, so this could give us a tactical advantage, five, six, seven, or however many years from like our present they decide to show up whether it is seven or eight years from now or not that's a really good point mm-hmm. okay I made a smart thing cool <laughs> alright one more scene which is like kind of probably the least interesting thing about this episode which I don't really feel like makes me cling to want to come back. I mean, I want to come back for season two, but it's not because of this moment right here at the end, right? You don't want to cling on to this? No, it's just that, like, Una, Una, Chin Riley, number one, was a very underused character this season. Like, she got her episode, right? Ghost of Illyria, episode three. But, like, I feel like she was... In the she's in the running for most underused character, right? Because I wanted more from her. I thought like this is a character that we saw in one episode, way back when, and we knew nothing about. Shows up in Discovery for like two episodes, maybe. Didn't know anything about her. It seemed like, hey, you got Rebecca Romaine. That's a. I mean, I don't know how famous she is, but people know the name, right? It seems like you don't cast Rebecca Romaine unless you want to like do something with this character but I don't really feel like we did a whole lot with this character and now here she gets arrested at the end for being genetically modified and it's Captain Pike's girlfriend that arrests her right and then this is not over I'm breaking up with you you arrested my we're my so first officer. done we're over no more day old carbonaras for you <laughs> beam out and yeah Captain Pike breaks the fourth wall yes he does I was getting some lower deck season two finale vibes with how that ended a little bit oh with the arrest yeah, yeah. that's a good point <sighs> see I make connections every now and again it's, it's fine <laughs> <clears throat> that's it y'all I'm making an executive decision that's it let's let's move on 
<laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, let's move into the evaluation part where we're uh, first we look at the Delta um, and how well the different divisions of Starfleet service were represented in this episode. Uh, looking at uh, the command division, such as leadership, leadership theory, command decisions, um, decisions under pressure, stuff like that. Um, operations division, looking at logistics, operations, tactical engineering, things of that nature, and finally, science. So, David, how are we doing with the Delta? Oh, let's see. I was trying to think of what I could if anything could be cobbled together from a scientific standpoint. And I didn't really, I was drawing a blank on that one. So hopefully y'all can save that because I can't give it one because I, I don't think anything was science. Okay. <laughs> Not anything that I could easily just uh, come you know, pop off the top of my head there. Now, operationally, we did have we had a couple of plans, you know, we had our kind of comet pincer maneuver, mirroring maneuver, and you know, so we, we were operationally planning certain plans uh, that, I mean, ultimately weren't as successful as possible. And even, you know, Kirk's uh, bringing in the, the driller droids as the, you know, Delta Force Five back here uh, was, was a plan because conceivably the Romulans, although I think it's a bit of a stretch, I mean, they're spying on us like we would try and spy on them and they'd actually been in our space, but it's cool. Um, you know, it, it's at least a, a stall tactic. It is, it's a bluff, but it's, it's still a plan. And, and it took some wherewithal to uh, get this in quotations fleet together to even uh, stand up to the Romulan fleet. So I can give it that. And then even the, uh, the uh, uh, tapping into the to the uh, uh, like Romulan spy nanny cams, you know, to see their faces, and <laughs> they they can't see us, and they we can't see them, and but we can see them and inside. So I mean, operations, I'm cool with it. Command command is a little murky because like I, I think you know, Pike in in somewhat classic fashion at times was able to bring his his presence but you know sort of as it had been pointed out it kind of felt like he was a bit more of a, a backseat character to a lot of this almost just like flowing through a, a stream where it's all kind of not real but you're still there um but his sort of negotiations with the romulans and this two-hour window and uh you know, eventually even talking the commander into sort of like, you know, we need to end this ceaseless war, you know, this endless war and so forth. So that, I mean, I, I could certainly give to, to Pike, but then then you sort of get knocked down a bit with, with Kirk, who, who is, um, I, I, I don't know. I think that there are different ways in which you can talk to your, your, uh, your, uh, comrades your uh, similarly ranked your senior, individuals your senior staff well th there's that no, but captain to captain captain to captain here or your, your colleagues yeah colleagues thank you that's that's the word um and, and it kind of shows a, a lot of his immaturity i suppose and wh whereas he he seems to be more suited as like a first officer at this at this point you know kind of like 
bringing the plan to the captain, maybe still a little green, a little raw, needs a good captain to kind of be like, okay, Kirk, let's chill for a bit. Maybe go uh, talk to that lady at the bar and, and chill out a little bit. So, I mean, I, I think I think that there's enough command here for me, but but maybe not for a full delta, just because it's it, it's it's kind of vague uh, for for a lot of it. Uh, but I will say this, just to end this, Pike. Even in our first little meeting, he still does sort of command the room. They are still deferring to him. Which I think uh, I think is is still indicative of that command structure. So that's what I got. Cool, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as command, I think you know Pike's command style is to listen to listen to his staff, listen to his crew, let everyone voice their opinion, and then make a decision from there. And I and I think that's all here in this episode. Like he's he's fully in control and command of the situation at the beginning. So like, I, I feel like, you know, and, and he's stuck to himself. Like he's like, you know, I know I'm in a situation where there might be some test, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna do what I would do normally. And I think that's like a test of leadership to not like try and act differently than you would normally when you're put in a situation that you know is like, important right so i'm all there for giving like a command delta to pike um i think what david what you said about operations is all is all correct i'll say for the science you know you have spock coming up with the the way to track the ship he's like we can look at the background radiation or whatever and it creates a trail and it's not approximate but we can use this to follow the location and I also think with the comet, like that's also, yeah, you can say it's operations because we're setting up our pincer maneuver, but it's also science and understanding like, hey, they're going to pass through the trail of the comet. And when they pass through the tail, it will change the, the particles and, and we'll be able to science and see it. So I would put that as science as well. So I definitely, I definitely can give, you know deltas all the way across the board for this episode yeah yeah the, the for me like the the science one that first came to mind was the comet like like using that like as a screener more or less um and then of course like with what spock said so um yeah and i think one thing that uh, that i liked was just like from a command perspective, I liked how, even though we've kind of been dogging it like this episode, but I did kind of like how Pike was handling himself, not just like with his colleagues like Kirk, but also with the Romulans and like how that like was, um, um, oh my gosh, why am I totally spazzing on the word? Um, Infectious. There we go. Whatever. Um, just like how how well, like even like his desire to try and help and be optimistic impacted an old man, um, like with with uh, with the Romulans. So I thought that was that was like a really good thing. Um, but I think overall, like it it's probably not the strongest that we've had this season in terms of like how well stuff's been represented. But I think there's 
enough there to be able to justify that like each division really got to shine in this episode in different ways some more prominent than others so uh with that let's um let's roll right into our numerical rating scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire ten being amazing eric how do you rate this episode But <laughs> um, uh, here's what I'll say. If you go to IMDb, this episode has a very high rating. Very high rating. And I understand why. Like, it's understandable why people would rate this episode high, right? It's got Captain Kirk. Everyone loves Captain Kirk. It's Balance of Terror, right? Everyone loves Balance of Terror. Like, the episode is a 9.3 on IMDb. You heard easily, it. Eric said it's a 9.3. Easily the highest rated episode of the series on IMDb. 9.3. Um, 64% of the people that rated this on IMDb rated it a 10 out of 10. 64%. Wow. Good Lord. Yikes. Um, <laughs> I understand that. Like, it, I understand why people rate this highly. This is not a 10. This is not a 9. I'm struggling with my rating here because there's a lot of good here. Like, Balance of Terror, great episode, right? There's a lot of good here. Like, Pike is, he's trying not to fight, not not to war. He's trying not to fight. He's trying to be a diplomat and get himself out of this. And I like the way he handles himself. And there's a lot of good here but then like the messaging of this episode is just totally off it's just off it's saying you know you tried for something better but it failed and maybe if you just went and fought them at first you could have stopped a war from happening which is totally antithetical to the entire idea of star trek for me so like i don't want to blame this episode and rate it like a one or anything how dare you or because it's not it's not that it's not it's not that it's a it's a difficult episode to rate and i was hoping that i could hear one of you rate it first do you want to give me an, an idea of where you were like what was the ballpark of where you were because i honestly don't even know like do you, you want to come back? Should we, should we all just talk it know. through and then three, two, one at the end? I honestly don't even know what to rate this. Okay, let's let's hit the pause button on Eric before he explodes, and we have to do an oil change or something. Okay, like let's just pause on Eric. I'll I'll be the guy that gets the ball rolling. How about that? So, I I, I brought up my points about, um especially there at the end with um, the implications for Balance of Terror and the fact that Pike remembers the stuff um, and what we know about what happens in Balance of Terror. Did I enjoy this episode? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty enjoyable. Did I have some issues with it? Yeah, I had some issues with it. Um, I think that it does a decent enough job. I think with this okay let me, let me back up part of what what some episodes of Star Trek do um, are, are meant to get you to to think and consider like even like the crappy moments in your life like trying to reflect and have awareness and insight on like the the what I wish I could have done different kind of thing 
which again, it's going back to like that tapestry thing. I think like uh, David was mentioning at the top of the episode. Um, we've had a really strong season, a really strong season, having some fun with with these characters. Some that we like more than others, and that's fine. Um, I'm looking at the ratings of of what you know how we've done this, and like the last three have not been the strongest um, for us uh, for for this season. Um, but this this episode is, is it's holding a, a weird tension to it, to where it's decent, but it needs something else. Like there's maybe like a special sauce, or there's just a little extra that's needed to really stick the landing. And I don't want to give this um, a rating like I gave the last three episodes, which were like mid-sevens. Um, but I don't want to give this like a nine or even a mid-nine either. Um, I think that because you have Kirk, and I, I think... This Kirk is going to hopefully do a lot of good uh, for for the fandom. I, I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. Um, but I don't want us to lose the message and what we've been building at the same time either over this first season, knowing that we already have a second season in the bag. I think I can live with... Um, I think I can live with this being probably uh, I just need to say 8.2 I can live with an 8.2 so I'm not even going to say who's going to go next just someone just go so you don't feel pressured to go next would you you like me to go next yes please Okay. (laughs) Eric's like I want to give it a 4 I want to give it a 4 someone give it a 4 no, tr- trust me. Like I, I've I've been in those situations where I'm like, can you guys just wrap this up for me, please, so that that I can make hopefully a, a by default decision. Uh, <laughs> no, look. So th- this episode, um, you know, like Chase, was it was it entertaining? Yes. Did I enjoy it as I was watching it? Yes. Do I enjoy it as much now that I have thought about it? No. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit. I'm a bit torn because now all I have in my head is, my God, it's so lazy. And it seems even lazier to me because we, we've modeled Ortegas after, uh, what, was, what was the guy's name again, Eric? Styles. <laughs> yeah, Styles. Uh, you know, we, we have Spock being not the Spock that we we've come to know here. We've got, you know, we've got this, you know, brash Kirk that just doesn't feel like Kirk to me. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to the actor. It just doesn't feel like Kirk to me. It is what it is. Maybe if we had more time or something else, whatever, I might feel differently. I just don't feel it. Um, and. the mistakes we're making with maybe explaining our timeline here. Like I got confused about the accident because this episode confused me 
about the time of the ac- the timing of the accident. I don't remember everything about the original series. I enjoy the original series. I just don't remember everything about it. It's it's tough fitting as much crap as I try and remember into my little tiny brain. So when you get all those things and mash them together in this little bit of mashed potato, it just seems really lazy to me. It kind of seems like we're out of original ideas and it brings back another point that I made way, way back when. When I said, when when are we getting back to the point when Star Trek is the trendsetter? Why do we have to continue to come back and just pull from the old ideas and, and, you know, well, I'll even say this. uh, uh, Trials and and Tribulations, the DS9 episode, that was fun. They made it fun. But they gave you a somewhat small, high-stake thing that, you know, we're we're not going to... we're going to make sure that Kirk's not killed, but it was fun. It was fun along the way. It didn't try and be overly serious about it, but it was paying, paying homage to the original episode. And this, we know balance of terror. Balance of terror is a great episode. Like Eric said, it's probably what, like top three to at least top five in, in original series episodes, probably top three for me, but like the irreverence, that they paid to the actual lesson of balance of terror and the actual meaning that we have all cultivated and have understood about Star Trek, it just doesn't make me enjoy it as much. And this season has been good, but we've had a lot of subpar episodes at the very end of this season. And it's like, please don't ruin this. Like, please don't ruin a good thing. It's very obvious that you know how to make good Star Trek. And it's also very obvious when it is a good episode and people, you know, aside from this one, the rating is crazy. A 9.3 is crazy. That's a crazy number. That That's people being caught in in nostalgia in this the nostalgia blanket you know they're just they're cuddling up in the nostalgia blanket and they got their they got their little hot cocoa and their popcorn sitting as my fire and pepperidge farm remembers and it's great <laughs> but it's not enough for me that's not enough for me anymore uh, i see it too often and this is the same crap that marvel does it's the same stuff that that star wars tried to do and some of the, the the sequel trilogy, please stop treating us like we're 10, okay? I know what nostalgia is. I'll go back and watch the original series. If you're going to pull a lesson from an old show, pull the damn lesson. Like, understand it. Do your job and understand what the scope of this is supposed to mean. I think it was missed. It was a, It was a big miss. But I enjoyed watching it through. I don't enjoy thinking about it though. That's where it loses me. So for me, um, uh, seven, two. Eric, that's a, that's a difficult (laughs) seven, two. Difficult because that's too high or that's too low. I don't know. It's difficult because it's the first thing that popped into my head and it's like, I don't want to like go down, down, 
and I don't want to go like raging high. It, it's it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a shot in the dark seven two, because I, I I just don't. Maybe I, I'm I'm almost starting to like try and buckle into other episodes where I'm like I'm not trying to be overly mean about it. Yeah, I, okay. I, I guess I just have to pick something, right? Yes. Just throw something out there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you're right. Like, they, the first six episodes of this were fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm looking at the ratings that we gave here for the first six episodes, and they're all fantastic. So, obviously, they know how to do good Star Trek, and they know how to make a good message in there. And you're right, they missed the messaging of Balance of Terror. But like this episode is not terrible. That's the thing. Like it's it's definitely not terrible. But it's not a nine point three. It's not a ten. It's it's not. Like I don't think it's an eight. I don't think it's a six. Right? <laughs> it's definitely not a four. I'm not gonna give it a four, Chase. <laughs> that's reserved. That's reserved for like the pit of my anger to give things like a four. <laughs> <laughs> like unification part three. Yeah, like don't or the if if when he stepped onto that bridge and Spock was wearing a goatee and a Terran Emperor sash, that, oh, that is no. when you get fours. That would have been a whole new a whole extra point for me. Eight point two for for that's goatees. when you get that's when you get fours when I have to break my TV. God, like, just give it a seven. Give me a seven on this, like. And let's just stop talking about it. Wow. It's a little bit of a disappointment. Wow. Like I was, I was hoping that they would nail the ending because they nailed the beginning, they nailed the middle, but they did not nail the ending. Wow. I feel, I feel a little guilty now giving it the rating that I did, but I'm gonna have to live with it. So, all right. Well, that gives uh, this this particular rating. We'll just round it up to a seven point five. For, for this particular episode. So same as same as all those who wander. The last two episodes got a seven and a half. Wow. Yeah. Which um, as overall as a season, our combined averages or whatever for this, uh, eight point two for this for the first season, which isn't too shabby as far as I'm concerned. Pretty solid. If, but if you took the average of the first six episodes it would be a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. So, all right, fellas. Well, that's it. That's it. You want to you want to do a little palate cleanser and talk about the most important part of this show? Yes. Okay. Let's go to the Twitter poll. So, um this is the very important question that I posed to um to the Twitterverse. You ready for this? Which alien species would you ask to be on your team for an oversized pizza eating contest? How big a pizza are we talking here? Are we like... like an oversized one. It's like a team thing. Like, you know, you finish this in like 20 minutes, you get like a t-shirt type of thing, you know what I'm saying? I mean, is this like a full meat pizza or is it just cheese? Like, how difficult are we making it, Chase? That's that. I don't. I wasn't being that creative because I only have so okay. many characters on Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm done. 
So which alien species would you ask to be on your team for an oversized pizza eating contest? Your your choices are Denobulan, Vulcan, Ferengi, or Talaxian. Okay, read the question and the choices again. (laughs) (laughs) Which alien species would you ask to be on your team for an oversized pizza-eating contest? Denobulan, Vulcan, Ferengi, Talaxian. Oh, boy. Don't Denobulans have two stomachs? Can't they, like... I remember Flax, like, said something about their anatomy. He was also very excited about food. Yeah. I feel like the Vulcans would just be like, it is not logical to eat this oversized pizza. <laughs> or, or actually, do we have a, a, mem- a team member limit because they could logic their way into just bringing more team members, so. I don't know, I'm going to go with Denobulans. Okay, Eric's going with Denobulans. Yeah, I don't think the Ferengis would eat the pizza. The Talaxians, I mean, I, no. Yeah, Denobulans. That okay. makes sense to me. So we have some comments on this, by the way. We got a little little interaction. So before I go to the results, let's read some of these comments. Uh, we have um, from at uh, Data Diva JF who, uh, that said, um, Denobulan, how much do we know about their eating habits? Vulcan. Probably too um, decor- decorous, and pizza would have to be vegetarian slash vegan. Ferengi, notwithstanding Rom's liking of pancakes, etc., I think pizza would probably make them sick, so that leaves Talaxian. Okay, now we have um, John, who is um, at Mad Scientist uh, J.O., that said, um, that's really got to be about the individual. You can't generalize across a whole species that way. To be fair, I'd say Herogen, if able, since they must have a fair appetite leading such an energetic lifestyle, but Ferengi culture seems to lend itself to excess, so... Okay, and then um, one, the last uh, comment that we have here is um, at mbilly57. Where are the Klingons? I bet those guys eat yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I mean, they, they'd start drinking, and then when yep. you're drinking, you want to eat. Right. I mean, but yeah, but if you put Klingon, it's like, that's like, you know, you. I feel like there was some polls where people were like, where is this in the choices? Well, that'd be the obvious winner. That's, that's why exactly. You don't put it in the choices. Yeah. Yeah. Packlids. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I didn't put like Packlid or Klingon <laughs> on this thing, right? All right, let's let's go to the results. So in fourth place, with fourteen point three percent of the vote, we have Vulcans. Okay. In third place, with 21.4% of the vote, is an upset for one of y'all. We have Denobulans. Wow. Okay. Second place, with 28.6% of the vote, Talaxians, which means our winner for this poll were the Ferengi. If it's because covered with bugs, Ferengi, yeah, because Ferengi culture leads to excess, right? Yeah, and like, why not? Like, there might be a prize of some gold pressed latinum somewhere in there. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, just put some tube grubs on it. It's fine. There we go. There we go. It's fine. All right, fellas, we gotta we gotta get the heck out of here. 
Um, as always, like guys, we have been doing this nonstop with episodes week by week, come hell or high water type of thing. So my heartfelt thanks for talking Trek with me every single week, sometimes to our own detriment, talking Trek. So uh, thank you so much uh, for that. I really appreciate it. Um, we have not done any retrospectives on any of these series. And uh, at the time of this recording, we do not have um, a release date for uh, Lower Deck Season 3. So what we're going to plan on doing is um, over the next several weeks to a month or so, just depending on how motivated we're feeling, we're going to tackle the retrospectives. We're going to revisit um, some of the shows in terms of like what we thought and stuff about it. So uh, just keep your eyes peeled. Uh, for for those you know uh, you know however wherever you listen just you know make sure you you're subscribed so you get that uh, knowing that we'll we'll have retrospectives for um, some of the recent seasons uh, coming your way so um, anyway uh, enough is enough hope you all enjoyed the episode we'd love to hear what you thought about it you can interact with us on all the things Facebook Instagram and Twitter uh, you can also check us out at trtvpod.com uh, where you can also support the show financially if you like what we're doing and you want to keep the dilithium in good inventory and stock and stuff. That's fine. Um, anyway, if you want to send us a note, you can do that trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission at 817-752-4757. There is a three-minute limit before we decide to just chase after a comment and see what happens. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something like a cool crystal or a new uniform that looks really much like an old one, we'd love that. Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.